You're listening to a podcast presented by Providencia West Palm Beach, a church that exists for the flourishing of all people located in the city center of West Palm Beach, Florida. Our hope is to love our city, listen to your story, and practice the grace of God. We hope you enjoy this content. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Tonight's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for reading that. Good evening, everyone. Uh, My name is Keith Case, and I'm a pastor here at Providencia, and it's so good to have you all here. Uh, So welcome, and welcome to the month of October. Uh, Some of you felt that, I think, Friday morning when you woke up. I don't know. Is anybody wearing a sweater tonight? Do I see any sweaters out there? Um, It's not exactly a sweater weather tonight, but it feels like it. And uh, for those of you who are here uh, to say goodbye to Jordan and Matty, we're having an awesome dinner right after this. Uh, My wife is grabbing barbecue right now for us, and it'll be right in this room behind us. And thank you to everybody who helped uh, set that up. Um, I also just want to say thank you to all our musicians here, Uh, just sitting here tonight and being led by different voices up here and the diversity of of sound and music calling me into a space of worship. Uh, I'm just grateful for Danny uh, Brunges and his leadership and and all the voices that are committed to this space. And I also want to say thank you uh, to the musicians who are out in our city bringing beauty to our city this weekend. Uh, Emily Blaylock here uh, was killing it yesterday. Unbelievable. Uh, Every time I hear Emily, she's just getting better and better. And yesterday, uh, she was stopping people in their tracks. It was really, really cool. Uh, Andrew on Friday night over here with Rude Television uh, was uh, holding down the subculture alley and bringing it. His band is like my kid's favorite, or at least my son's favorite band now uh, in West Palm. And just grateful uh, for him and Perry. I don't know if Perry's here. I don't think Perry's here. Uh, but Perry was playing also on Saturday. Just so awesome. Um, I'm like one of the oldest people in this church. Um, 
at 46, and to be led by younger people. Um, it's powerful. It's inspiring. It's so cool. Um, I'm not only emotional about that, I'm emotional about other things like saying goodbye to Jordan and Matty tonight. Um, and, and I'm also um, emotional about the hurricane. Um, I know that um, there, there are families here uh, tonight directly impacted. Um, homes and memories and uh, neighborhoods. And it's super heavy. Um, but we are so glad that you're here uh, with us. We had a, a small crew of five uh, that went over <laughs> to make a big dent in the recovery efforts. Um, but they were so awesome. Uh, Gina's mom's house got flooded up like three to four feet. And there was about a foot of muck in her house. And uh, Gina and Cole and um, Blake and Mary uh, Glazier and Dale, Sweet Dale, they all went over. We helped them load up on uh, Friday night or Thursday night. I can't remember what night it was. And um, if you guys know what river muck smells like, uh, it doesn't smell very good. And they were in that house all day um, cleaning up. And uh, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. But uh, we're going to be going back. And if you are interested in going, if you're available to go, uh, if you have uh, equipment, generators, um, we need gas cans. They need gas on the West Coast so bad right now. Um, it's really clean up right now. But if you have availability and you would like to go, we are going to be organizing days uh, over the next weeks to go over in the next months. Uh, to, to go and serve and to love uh, our neighbors over on the West Coast. So please come and see me, or you can email the church or tell one of the staff we're putting together uh, a list right now uh, for all of that. Um, on Friday night, along with all this beautiful music that was being made in the city, uh, we had our bapt a beach baptism, which we haven't had since before covid and the Melton kids got baptized, and some uh, family from Memorial Pres, their kids got baptized. Mary Stuckey was there uh, capturing all for us. Thank you so much, Mary, for doing that. Uh, it was a beautiful night uh, to see our families together, the two church families. And then we went to dinner, a lot of us, down at uh, Lake Worth Golf Course, which sounds super fancy, but uh, Taylor Gooley calls it the Caddyshack of golf courses. And uh, they have a, a restaurant there called the Beach Club, which also sounds really fancy, but it's basically the most family-friendly uh, bar food you've ever been around, uh, bar restaurant you've ever been around. Kids are just running around chaos mayhem. So uh, a new hot spot for us. We're excited that we uh, discovered, discovered that place. Um, but it really was a beautiful night to see uh, the next generation of young people committing themselves uh, to Christ, committing themselves to this community. Uh, and one of the things, as Drew was talking about the Apostles' Creed, is that the Apostles' Creed was you know, basically kind of put together around 200 AD, and it was something that new believers would say at baptism. And it's the most simple and yet most profound uh, summary of our Christian faith. And in fact, it is a baseline or a bedrock, if you will, for all Christian denominations. Uh, so you could be on a plane sitting next to somebody who's Catholic, Lutheran, 
Methodist, Episcopalian, Anglican, uh, all, all over Baptist, it doesn't matter. And, and you share in common, you share in common this baseline that unites us together. And when you think about things like Hurricane Ian and the destruction there, and you think about the call that God has upon us as the body of Christ to be united, the, the need that we have, the pressing need to link arms with our brothers and sisters to go and serve. Um, if anybody has critiques about our family called the church, it's me. Uh, but one thing I will say that I learned early on is that when disaster strikes, especially here in this country, uh, the church is typically the first one on the ground, uh, and they will continue to be on the ground and continue to be on the ground and continue to be on the ground. And the uniqueness of the organism that the church is. Uh, you, you think about the people in this room tonight, where other, what other space does this diversity as far as socioeconomic, as far as industries, as far as neighborhoods uh, come together? As a pastor, knowing you, I know people in a lot of neighborhoods here, and I know people in a lot of industries here, and it's a very unique uh, touch point that the church is for cities and for recovery efforts. Uh, so... As much as we sometimes will critique the church, I pray and hope that you actually, over the next months and years, are going to see the beauty and the strength of the church uh, there on the West Coast. Um, but as a church, this, this Apostles' Creed is one of the things that unites us, and, and it really answers four questions. Who is God? Who is Jesus? Who is the church? And what is salvation? And today... Or tonight, our scripture is focused on that second question of who is Jesus. And if you're visiting tonight and you're maybe exploring the Christian faith or maybe you've been away from church for a while or maybe you've been hurt in church, uh, but you're coming back and just kind of seeing what is this all about, one of the invitations I would really give you is to answer that question, who is Jesus? Uh, there's a lot of noise out there, but who is Jesus? And starting this coming week on Wednesday night, uh, Bob Gersmeyer, where's Bob at? Bob, could you just stand up real quick, Bob? Um, Dr. Bob, brilliant Bob. Um, Bob, ha Bob has like about seven degrees. Uh, some of them include PhDs, masters. So he's like, you know, he's like Gandalf kind of, um, but from Harry Potter world. And so um, anyway, he's an amazing man, and we're so glad to have him here, a part of this community. And he and Drew are going to be teaching a class on Wednesday nights on parables, and we're really, really excited about that. So thank you so much, Bob, for doing that. Um, and I did also want to mention that Taylor is here. Taylor, could you stand up just for a second? Yeah. Taylor attends a Memorial in the morning, and she is an MDiv student, and she has a passion, passion for prison ministry, uh, and she is going to be, she is teaching the Wednesday night, or sorry, the Monday night uh, women's Bible study. Uh, a lot of the women there are from Memorial. There are some of you that come from Providencia, and Adeline in the back. Adeline, could you stand up? Yes, Adeline in the back. Uh, her and her husband, Dan, who I'll introduce in just a little bit, uh, they both go to Memorial as well, and they're co-teaching it, and we're just so grateful for you guys. Thank you so much uh, for leading uh, the women on Monday nights. Um, but as we, as we come back uh, to this uh, question of who Jesus is and to this line in the Apostles' Creed, it, you know, it essentially says, we believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary. Um, Jesus Christ, his only son, God's only son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost and born 
of the Virgin Mary. Who is uh, Jesus? You know, uh, when I first moved here to West Palm Beach, it was uh, about eight years ago. Or no, sorry, nine years ago. And I started uh, taking people out to eat who were from here. Uh, and most of them were older. And they would tell me stories about West Palm Beach and growing up in different neighborhoods and the transformations that had taken place in them. And that things just weren't the same anymore. That was one of the themes, you know, things were just were not the same. And at the time, there was... I think we were in the midst of an election and uh, things were not the same in this country anymore. And they were talking about that and kind of grieving that. And one of the things I began to ask people is when in your time in this country uh, did you experience unity? When, when did you in your memory, when, when was this country the most unified? And one of the things that people began to say for those who were alive at the time was that uh, September 2nd, 1945, Uh, It was when the peace treaty was signed uh, with Japan to basically end World War II. That when that was announced on the news, uh, parties broke out across this country for two days straight. For two days straight. This one woman named Jane Sanders, who goes to First Pres North Palm Beach, uh, told me that her mother burst open the back screen door screamed at the kids that the war is over. They were on their swing set, and she just ran out into the street, and kids were just running all over the neighborhood, out into the street. They ended up having this huge block party. And about five hours later into this block party, she looked down at her dad's feet and realized he had no shoes on, that he was so excited about this news that had come that he forgot to put on his shoes, a very proper man, forgot to put on his shoes and just ran out into the streets. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I long for that kind of day, for a day that we could be together again like that. I know some of my neighbors in my neighborhood, thank God Gina's in my neighborhood, that's an easy neighbor to love, Uh, but I don't know all my neighbors. There's a breakdown in in our country, in in this segment even of of our country, country here in South Florida, as so many people are transient, so many people are not from here, that we don't know each other. But to imagine, to dream of a time where we could have block parties like that, where we could have neighborhood parties. And some of you might have experienced that in your childhood. Some of you may experience it now. But to experience it as a country, uh, that this country that wasn't even being bombed, really, that wasn't even in the midst of the war, you know, Hawaii, obviously, but, but mainland, Uh, We didn't have forces occupying us, but we were celebrating the end of a war on a distant end. These emotions that, you know, at least I'm feeling, Matthew, he was arousing these same types of emotions in the people of Israel and the the people who were outside of Israel, Romans, different people, Greeks who were interacting uh, with his text, with the gospel of Matthew. Because what he was saying to them as he's telling the birth of Jesus is that he was saying that there was this Messiah coming, uh, this anointed one, this warrior king. And, And a warrior king or a king is a warrior. Why? Because they become a liberator. Uh, They are a freedom fighter, if you will. And Matthew is saying a freedom fighter is going to be born. A freedom fighter has come and is coming. And freedom is right there. 
Liberation is right there. We can taste it. We can see it. The hope is swelling. That this is what he's building up in us. It's fascinating. All the gospels record this. They record the name of the mother of the liberator. The one who carried the liberator in her belly, in her tummy. Yo, I still think that's the craziest thing. It is the wildest thing. Like kangaroos, I was like, that's really cool. They do that. And I've seen pregnant women my whole life, and I still think it's the wildest thing in the world. Can I get an amen? It is wild. And God came into our world that way. That the God of the universe, the God who created the cosmos, uh, you know, we're still like can see like new places, new stars, new galaxies, like where's the end of it? Nobody knows. Does it end? Maybe not. Uh, going on and on and on. That that God who created all of that became a baby, became a child, and entered into the womb of a woman. You know, the, the curse in Genesis chapter 3 says that... Um, the woman would have pain through childbearing. And that we learn through this text, through Matthew, that salvation is actually going to come through the pain. That salvation is going to come through the pain of the birth. And uh, through this woman, Mary, that Mary will carry this child into the world. If some of you come from a Catholic background, uh, you grew up blessed to get more of Mary than those of you who grew up if you had a Protestant background. Uh, thank you, Protestant Reformation. We have made very little of Mary in reaction to the Catholic Church, that we turned the volume way down on the significance of Mary. But I would encourage you to spend some time turning the volume back up on this woman's life and on the realities of this woman and what she did, and what, how she was so significant in the history of what we have come to call the Christian faith. There's only three people mentioned by name in the Apostles' Creed. Jesus, Mary, and Pontius Pilate. And if you were to take contrasting figures between Mary and Pontius Pilate, you find quite a contrast. Quite a contrast that we as a church would be called back to spend time with Mary, not just at Christmas, but throughout the year. Um, going deep here just for a second theologically, uh, Jesus has always existed as part of the Trinity, but he became a child. This is, this is the mystery of our faith, that God would take on flesh. These are deep theological mysteries and concepts but we, we hope that as we read the Apostles' Creed or as we recite the Apostles' Creed and we say things like Jesus being born of a virgin, Virgin Mary, that they would not sound so rote. I mean, sometimes when we say these things, we have to say them in a way that it sounds very dry, right? And like, it's kind of like, so we can all stay on beat. But I would encourage you to get the Apostles' Creed. You can Google it and print it out, have it on your phone. Spend some time with it over these next months to say it, to memorize it, to recite it, and that it would be actually a thing that would expand your imagination. I mean, what does this mean? 
I'm sitting up here thinking it's wild that women carry a baby inside of them, right? Like that is what God did. That's what the God we follow did. It's wild to me that these would be the things that we would contemplate and think of as we read that creed. Mary gave birth to liberation. And this, friends, is a miracle. The breath of God, the artistry of God on display in Jesus taking on flesh. And when we confess this, again, that it would not be something static, but dynamic, packed with life, vitality, and wonder. You know, Jesus not only comes through the pain and miracle of childbirth, but also through the scandal of this miraculous conception. You know, Joseph didn't want to disgrace her, but he was going to divorce her quietly. And he didn't know exactly what was happening. Um, potentially, he was embarrassed. He was ashamed. Maybe he thought that his, woman had, his, his wife had been with another man. And into all these questions and insecurities comes the voice of the Lord, an angel in a dream. And what does that angel come and say to this man? He calls him Joseph, son of David. Joseph, son of David. Now, right before this text, we started off in uh, verse 18. The first 17 verses of chapter 1 of Matthew are a genealogy. And you probably never read them in church. Why? Because we're in the West. Uh, we're here in the U.S., and we don't really think about genealogies. We don't really think about our family lines unless you're somehow related to some famous uh, person somewhere. Uh, maybe you claim that lineage. Maybe you did Ancestry.com. I did it. And I still only know my grandparents' names. Um, but there's a man here. There's a man here who I said I was going to introduce to you uh, later. His name is Dan Keita. Dan, could you please stand up in the back there? Dan is a PhD student. Yes, you can clap for Dan. Uh, <laughs> Dan is on staff uh, now with Memorial. He is a PhD student here, and he is also from Kenya. And Dan knows his tribal lineage, his, his grandfather's back 14 generations, like knows them by name, right? And the community he lives in, Everybody in that community, he can go up to a kid, ask them who their grandfather is, and know how he's related to them. Very important for us here in the West to know that there are things that we won't even see in Scripture, that we won't even recognize the realities and the significance of them. Uh, one of the things that the women will uh, sadly have to do on, on, in uh, their women's Bible study, because they're reading through the whole Bible, is they're going to have to read the book of Numbers. And the book of Numbers is just a bunch of names. It means nothing to us really here in the States because we don't really care back that far. But for Dan, Dan understands the significance because this is my tribe, this is my community, these are my people. And so when the angel says to Joseph, he calls him the son of David, he's saying, David, remember your lineage. I'm sorry, Joseph, remember your lineage. Remember where you came from. Remember who your people are. Remember that this is their hope, that this has always been their hope. That the liberation that is coming is actually coming through the woman that you're going to take as your wife. 
the hope of your generation, the hope of your genealogy, the hope of your people. That's amazing. It's coming through your wife. Now that that definitely kind of throws the patriarchy thing up a little bit side down, right? Like, what is Joseph here in this role? (laughs) I'm just taking her as my wife. All right. And uh, it's pretty easy. She's doing all this. Liberation coming through this woman. Unbelievable. The hope of your people is in Mary. Take her. The miracle of liberation is coming. And from what? What is this liberation that's, that's coming? Um, you know, when we read the, um, or when we were, yeah, when we read the scripture earlier and it was quoting Isaiah there at the end, and the prophet Isaiah, at that time, Israel had an enemy that was occupying, oppressing, that they were wanting liberation from a nation, actually an empire. And at this time in Israel's history, as Matthew is writing, there is a new empire, right, that they are seeking liberation from, that the people are wanting liberation from. But that is not what this Messiah has come to liberate them from. It's what the disciples and and many of the followers of Jesus were hoping for. But what is introduced to us through Matthew and through the life of Jesus is not a liberation from nations, but a liberation from an oppression of all people. Uh, Not something that just uh, oppresses a small minority of people, but all people. That this thing called sin, the wages of sin, of death, brokenness, that Jesus would take that upon himself. And Paul says it's not just uh, the sin that, that oppresses people and it's on people, but he expands it. He says all of creation is crying out for this liberation. That Jesus is bringing. Um, the first time I got introduced to counseling, I was um, pretty young and unresponsive uh, when I sat in front of a therapist for the first time. Um, they asked me if I was depressed, and I said yes. And uh, they wanted me to talk about my feelings, and I said, you know, I just need to get my relationship with God right, and then everything will be better. And I probably went to like five Bible studies and three church services at that time and prayed without ceasing, like literally. Uh, But I was still depressed. Weird how that worked. Um, And then I really went away and I learned a lot of theology by myself in isolation. And I uh, really dove into Reformed theology, which is part of my history and story and um, really lived in my head and felt even more dead. And then came back to counseling after that. And I was sitting in um, Puerto Rico um, the first time that I started to open up again. And I remember being in a little triad, and the lady who was facilitating our group asked us this question, you know, what do do you believe God's calling you to to do in your life, and what's keeping you from doing it? Mine at the time, I thought, was to go to seminary, and I was afraid of being stupid. Um, That was my fear. I didn't like reading books, still don't, but... That was the fear. And in seminary, you have to read a lot of books, a lot of books. And uh, I was like, how is that going to happen? And as I began to uh, talk about this fear, some things started connecting for me with my father. Um, And the fact that my dad had never read a book with me. Uh, My dad never shared intimate space with me. He never, like, 
played with me, uh, like got down on the floor, Legos, army men, or whatever it was, right? That we never occupied that kind of space together. Wild as you begin to dive into some of the things, the journey it takes you on. And the therapist was, you know, asking me this question and um, she said, you know, is there pain there? And I said, yeah, I, th- I think there's pain there. I just can't touch it. And she said, what's keeping you from touching it? And then it just broke. And I wept and I wept and I wept. One of the things that that woman was offering me in that moment was that though I was afraid of my own pain, so much so that I had distanced myself from it, stuffed it down, developed the whole lifestyle of being able to escape it and avoid it. This woman was offering me this incredible gift that she was not afraid of my pain and she would sit with me in my pain, be with me in my pain. And it was truly liberating. It brought me home into my own self, into my own skin. It's one of the things about uh, this text from Matthew and and from the Apostles' Creed that may not hit you at first, but what we believe in the Christian faith is that we have a God who became Emmanuel, that he is God with us, that he is the God with us so much that he would enter into the life that we live through suffering. Uh, We we were sitting there singing the song about son of suffering. And I I leaned over to Lily, who just sliced her foot open this past week. I was like, Lily, like, Jesus knows what that's like. He knows what suffering is like. We have a God who has entered into it and he's not afraid of our suffering. That he is closer to us in many ways than we are to ourselves. While I may be afraid of of seeing all of who I am, that Jesus is not. That's part of the gospel that we believe here, is that this is a place that you can dare to risk not only uh, touching the suffering of your life, but also feeling the joy of your life, because that might even be more scary. We have a God who says he is with us in all of that that he's come to set us free to a vitality of life with him. We are outside of the garden. We don't live in the garden right now. We live outside of the garden. There is suffering around every corner. We talked about it earlier, Hurricane Ian, prime example. But how do we as a people maintain vitality of life? The gospel offers it to us. The gospel offers it to us that we get to bring all of who we are to a God who it is not too much for. It is not too much for. Let us pray. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The work we do is made possible by your partnership and generosity. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support our work, please visit ProvidenciaWPB.org and click on the Give link. The music you hear in the beginning and end of our show was written, produced, and recorded by our music collective, Paradise Hymns. 
Find their original songs wherever you stream music. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.